It's really good to recount uh, the year and to recount the many different ways that, that God has blessed. You know, we oftentimes just let time go by and we're so forward moving um, that, we, that we really fail to do the commandment that is commanded most often, which is to remember and to remember that God is at work. Um, I have the opportunity to introduce our speaker this morning, but just a couple of things before um, I do that. Um, this year, um, in 2022, is a year where we're talking about connecting and in some ways reconnecting after um, this, the time that, that we've been through and re- reconnecting with one another. Um, and so we are signing up for hospitality. We want one member of every family in our church to uh, be um, on the hospitality team one time for one week in 2022. So we'll, we'll share more information um, about that, but that's one of the ways that we're reconnecting. One of the things that we know is that, the, that there's many forces in the world that are pulling us apart in many different ways, um, families, um, churches, communities. And so this idea of, of moving towards one another is really important. Uh, but it's not just important uh, moving towards one another in this room or in families. We also have other connections. Those connections are with believers that have gone before us. And reconnecting is not just about connecting with one another, for we know that that really is absolutely impossible if we are not connected with God. It's God who is the one that helps us connect with each other. Our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from one another. It is the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ that connects us with who, who God is and connects us in relationship with him. And it's only then that we can begin to exercise the gospel and give grace and forgive one another. Otherwise, we are just very lost, self-seeking people. And so what we want to do is we, we know that as we come to worship, some of the, 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 the guiding principles in Scripture tell us to rehearse things and to make connections. And so that's what we do every single week. We make connections. And I think now in our history, more than ever, it is important to connect to um, our church, to the church that has gone before us in, in the past. And so we've been doing that in a number of different ways. Um, we say, the Lord be with you. And um, so we're going to be teaching you in, in 2022. Um, we're going to continue doing that because the church has done that um, a long time to be able to greet one another in that way. Um, another way that we're going to connect with a, um, a tradition of the church that connects us with biblical truth um, is before we go to, into the message, we're, we're going to have another call and response. And it's really simple. Um, the, the person that comes up and stands up here to preach is going to say, lift up your hearts, and you're going to say, we lift them up. So let's practice for 2022. Lift up your hearts. Oh, this is going to be a good year. That's good. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. What that is doing is that that ought to cue us, our minds and our hearts, that we are turning our attention to the word of God, that we are lifting up our hearts um, to the Lord. Um, a few weeks ago, I said that mountains are important in Scripture, and maybe that's something if you haven't gone through Scripture and kind of traced, what does God do at mountains? There's this worship happens at mountains. Like Our hearts are literally lifted up, so we are climbing the mountain, and so it is an upward looking. It's why many churches are created so that when you walk in, what do you do? Your eyes go up. 
in the kind of cathedral architecture is meant to do something with your eyes and your heart. So is the liturgy, the order of service of the church. So when we say, lift up your hearts, we will all say, oh, that's great. So another connection that, that we um, are going to, to make this year, um, and actually it'll, it'll continue um, into the, the next year, is a connection with doctrine or theology. One of the things that we believe here at, at Northridge is, is that doctrine and theology is not something old and dusty and boring, but rather it is the stuff of life. It is the good stuff of life. And so connecting and, and keeping um, the, the word of God on our hearts and minds is really important. So part of our, our order of service beginning next week is a very short, it's seven minutes, a short exhortation. So that's an explanation. It could be a reading. It could be a reading and an explanation of a confession, a historical confession. A historical confession is simply a summary of what does the Bible believe? You know, if uh, Tim were to come up to me and say, Ray, what is in the Bible? I would not open my Bible and begin, let me, let me read you, Genesis 1.1, and just read the whole thing. I would begin to explain in my own words what is in between the covers. That's what a confession does. A confession just simply is a summary, and it's a historical summary. So we're connecting back to a group of people, a group of people who hold doctrine and theology in common with us. And so we're going to be looking at every single week, just seven minutes every single week, we'll probably go through this um, whole body of doctrine a few times um, in the course of um, 18 months or so. Um, we're going to be connecting with the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. Um, we actually have copies of those. Um, if you open your, your Northbridge app um, or go to www.northbridge.me, you'll see in the resources section, there's actually a PDF of the, the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession. Um, so you can see we're connecting back a few years. There's also a statement of our current faith. So our, our current summary that's listed on our website is there as well, so you can read both of those. Um, both are summaries of biblical doctrine. And so beginning next week, there'll be a time where seven minutes that we um, will give an exhortation um, on this particular confession of faith. And we know that that's going to encourage you. I encourage you to pick one of these up. They're $5. Um, at our house, we just open it up. Um, we're working our way through. We'll just read a couple of the sections. They're, they're actually, each section is rather short. Um, most sections will take you a minute or two to read. And so we'll read a couple of sections around the, the dinner table. Sometimes that sparks um, a conversations. Other times it's just something that, that, we, um, that we think about, but it is part of our, our, our daily conversation um, with one another. So I would encourage you um, to do that. Along with this, the idea of equipping the church in our liturgy and what we do on Sunday morning, we're here to equip you for the week. That's what we're doing. Um, it's not performance. We're not here to perform. Um, it, is, it is equipping you. And so um, we want to equip um, one another. So I'm going to be doing some of the exhortations, um, uh, Nick Kellogg as well, um, to begin with. But then we're going to be asking um, heads of households, those that are responsible for the spiritual care and direction of their homes, um, as well as we move through this to actually give some of these exhortations. So maybe you want to give an exhortation on that section. Maybe you're like, you know what, that's enough to just stand up here. You're just going to read a, a section. That's fine. We want to equip 
um, our homes as well uh, to connect with biblical truth. And uh, one of the things that, that we know is that God's word is eternal, right? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and, and right now, we need those connections. We need those connections to God's word and God's people over time um, because what that does is it, it's like a rudder in, in the water. It just keeps us moving in the right direction. It keeps us moving towards God and his goodness. So those are some things that we're very excited to look forward to in the new year. I have the opportunity to introduce Rick Bagley to you. He is our, our speaker. Um, he has fulfilled a number of roles here at Northbridge, just almost every single role imaginable that you can around church. Um, I can imagine that Rick has done it at some time, some point in time. He's incredibly faithful. He takes God's word serious. You have to always wonder if there's going to be a rap somewhere in the middle of the sermon. I don't know if we have one of those um, today. Don't be disappointed if we don't. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll come up with something at some time if you really want something like that. But we are going through the book of Philippians, and we've got a number of men that meet on Saturday mornings and are working through this and working through messages. Um, they're working through the same principles that you're being taught, that you um, are dig deeply into when you're in your small groups. And so um, it's part of the church's mission to equip men for ministry, um, to handle the word of God. And so it's been a wonderful thing to have a number of our men uh, to, to preach and to teach, and I'm very excited to have Rick come and share God's word with us. Thank you for your faithfulness, Rick. All right. Welcome. And uh, welcome to those of you online, friends um, as well. So my name is Rick Bagley. And uh, like Ray said, I'm a, a small group uh, leader in the church. And my wife and I uh, were married here. Um, over 15 years ago, we've raised our three daughters uh, here in the church, and, um, and uh, I say that my spiritual growth plan has been um, through the church and with the Word of God being at the center, and so it's uh, my privilege this morning to open up the Word of God with you, and um, so as you do, uh, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, the, the passage I'm going to mainly be preaching through is uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. Uh, but as I studied that, um, I realized that uh, some verses before it are really um, setting the tone for the examples that are given in my passage. Uh, so I want to start by opening to Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. So turn there in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to refer to this mindset of Christ as we go through the examples in my passage. Um, what I noticed also in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, is that uh, these men in, in the passage are, um, it, says letting, it says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Um, there are examples of that. And, um, and even to put it in a shorter way, uh, Paul says to live as Christ. So even if we just remember that, um, they're part of a gospel partnership. Uh, the men I'm talking about in, uh, are Paul, 
Timothy and Epaphroditus. They're part of a gospel partnership where they look not only to their own interests, but to the interest of others, uh, which is the interest of Christ. Galatians 2.20, if you're taking notes, um, I'm not going to give you time to look there, but uh, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So as believers, uh, we're given a new purpose, uh, and the purpose is to not just live for our own interest, but to live um, for the interest of others, to consider the interests of others. Um, this new life involves sacrifice, uh, and involves getting involved in the work that God is doing. Um, I had a friend who gave our girls uh, some bracelets that said, watch out for God, and I was at first trying to think of really what that meant. I think it was from a VBS or something, but even as I watched uh, the video as a review of the year, um, just watching those snapshots of how God is working around us and in the lives of people. Um, so we are, we are able to get involved in what God is doing around us. It's one of the first things I was able to learn uh, through discipleship um, when I was in high school was how God is working around us, and um, he, he uses us and to get involved in what he's doing. Um, so we'll see in the, in the passage today, uh, as, it, as it ends, that uh, there's joy and there's honor when we, um, we set aside our own desires and we, make, uh, or we become part of what God is doing to make the gospel known. I am going to ask you guys to, to stand uh, to read this uh, passage, Philippians 2, 19-30. Uh, it's something we see in the Old Testament. It's something that, um, that we've talked a lot about in our men's group and um, and so we're going to do that once, and I will read the passage through and, and other times. But uh, for the first time here, we're going to read Philippians 2, uh, 19 to 30. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus, this is Paul speaking, to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek the interest of other excuse me, for they all seek their own interest, not the interest of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life, to complete what was lacking in your service to me. It's the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So this is the, the passage we're going to be working through uh, verse by verse. And um, before, before I go through it verse by verse, I want to um, give us a little bit of review. It was a while ago that um, some of the other the men had um, preached through the other sections of Philippians 1 and 2, and some of the passages are um, they're helpful to, re to review before studying this passage. So um, we're just going to move from Philippians 1 and just highlight a few things. Um, so if you look in Philippians 1, verse 3, uh, we learn about this relationship that, that Paul has with these believers in Philippi. 
Um, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I, learn, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. So in that passage, did you catch how uh, Paul feels for these believers? Um, he says... He thanks God in remembrance of them, so they have a relationship that's been developed. Uh, he, prays, he prays for them with joy. Uh, he calls them um, partakers with him of grace. Um, they are um, partners in the gospel. He refers to this, and I'll refer to that again. Um, he, he yearns for them with the affection of Jesus Christ. So as we work through this, this passage, just think about this relationship that he has developed and how he feels for these believers. As we move along, uh, we know that Paul, um, from the other men of the priest, that he's in prison, and um, he's put there for sharing the gospel, and um, he, he talks about how he sees this uh, is working out for good, although for him, not so good. Um, and he even says that to, for him to live as Christ and to die as gain, he actually desires that. Um, he desires to be with Jesus uh, rather than uh, go through the suffering. So uh, he's in prison. He desires to be with Jesus, but he says he he's going to stay on with, um, he's going to stay on in the flesh for their good. Um, he's he is sacrificing on their behalf, the behalf of the Philippians. Um, it's also interesting to me how I think of Paul wanting to be in heaven with Christ, and um, Christ is in heaven, and he actually leaves his glory in heaven to come down in the flesh for us, and that's for our good. Um, so moving on to chapter or to verse 27 of chapter 1. Paul says, Whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. So he's anticipating that he'll be delivered from prison, but whether he's able to go see them or not, he's, he's saying that he wants to be able to hear these things, that they're standing firm in the faith. Um, they are... They are themselves going through suffering just as he is uh, through opposition. Uh, it says that in verses 29 and 30, For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So we reviewed this relationship he has with these believers, uh, that they're also going through opposition as he is, um, and that Paul has set aside his own desires um, to serve these believers in the flesh. And all this is for the glory of God. So as we move through this passage, um, we just have three, this we call it the structure of three, three parts. Um, not too difficult to, to find. It's uh, Timothy, verses 19 to 24. He's the discipled servant who seeks the interest of others. Then we have Epaphroditus, verses 25 to 28. He's a fellow worker who serves sacrificially. And then... Um, we are to receive such men, verses 29 and 30, with joy and honor. So the takeaway, the main idea, this is um, something I, um, putting this into words in one sentence was really difficult to me. I see this here and I see this here and, well, is it this and am I going to focus on how they're partners in the gospel and 
Um, am I going to focus on this? And so for me, boiling it down into one sentence is um, it's not perfect. Um, but the takeaway I'd say is um, what I came up with participation in gospel partnerships requires seeking the interest of Christ rather than our own, which results in joy and honor. Um, so Paul is the one who calls it uh, partnerships in Christ. And, um, and we see at the end there's joy and honor. We are participating. Um, so for us, part of this message is for us as believers, um, we've been saved by grace through faith. John read that verse from Ephesians. Uh, we're, as I mentioned, not um, any longer living only for our own interests, uh, but we're, we're, being, uh, we're living to be used by God for his glory. So we're going to dig in, um, starting with Timothy in verse 19. Let's look there. Chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So Paul says that he, um, he wants to send them Timothy so that he can hear news of how they're doing. Um, he's sending Timothy so that hopefully Timothy can come back um, and, and give him news. And so what is it the news he wants to hear from, um, from them? Uh, we read that, or we, can, we, can, we read in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, um, that he's praying for them. And then uh, specifically he prays verses 9 to 11. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. So he's praying that specifically for them. Um, I hope that there's people you're praying for. Uh, this, is, this would be a great, if you're praying the Bible and you pray this verse for someone, that's a great thing to pray for people. We pray a lot of different things for the people we care for. Um, so when he sends Timothy and Timothy comes back, this is one specific thing he's praying and he's hoping he hears um, about their life. Um, by sending them to Timothy, it's not just so that he can hear news back, um, but he's, he's hoping to encourage them as well. We talked about how they're also under opposition. Um, so Paul is sending them uh, the best that he has. Um, Philippians 2.20, as we move along in our passage, says, I have no one like him, speaking of Timothy, who will be generally concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not to those of Christ Jesus. He says, I have no one like Timothy who will be generally concerned for your welfare. So Timothy has a reputation. Uh, we're going to look later in Acts chapter 1, and um, this reputation of Timothy is, uh, it comes up again. Uh, his reputation is looking not to his own interest, but the interest of others. He's genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. So let me ask you this. Um, when you say that to be genuinely concerned for the welfare of others is to, uh, to make sure they know the truth about who Jesus is. Um, it just occurred to me recently, um, when Jesus was speaking to Pontius Pilate, um, this is recorded in John 18, if you're taking notes, or if you want to look back at it later. He's speaking to Pontius Pilate, and uh, Jesus says that he has come to bear witness to the truth, um, at which Pilate responds, well, what is truth? And if we believe that Jesus is the way and the truth, in the life, John 14, 6, and that no one comes to the Father but by him. If we're generally concerned for the welfare of others, aren't we concerned enough to, to share the good news um, with them about who Jesus is? And then also, for those of you who are believers, um, aren't you 
uh, appreciative of the people who've um, set aside their their own desires, their life, to minister to you, to reach out to you, and um, to share the truth about who Jesus is. It was neat. Um, somebody was giving their testimony recently at a business meeting, and they named somebody who was um, was in my life that um, they were putting on a neighborhood sports ministry, and they invited my sister and I, and we would play sports, which is my thing, and um, and then they would bring us in the house, and they'd open up the Bibles, and they would they told us the gospel, and that's when I um, remember first understanding and accepting uh, Jesus as Lord of my life, and um, and then again later on when I started attending church, um, there were other college career guys I looked up to, and one of them when I was a junior took me under his wing, uh, Josh Green, um, and discipled me for about a year, and that had a great impact on my life. Um, but if we think about these things like discipleship, mentorship, um, relationships, um, they take time out of our schedule. They take thinking of others, um, investing in other people. Um, they take selflessness. They require this mindset of Christ that I, I talked about at the beginning. Uh, it's investing in people for the glory of God. So this is why uh, Paul is sending Timothy to them in their time of need. Um, you know, just thinking about it's, it's our sinful nature, I don't know what you want to call it, but um, that it's really easy for us in this world that we live in to get caught up in our own interests and, you know, as a father of children, um, to make our life about what they are interested in and what we're interested in, my wife and I. And, um, and so we need the Word of God, and we need people around us to, to encourage us. Um, God's Word showing us what is, what is important. So, back to the passage, verse 22, uh, Timothy. Speaking of Timothy, it says, They all seek their own interests, not to those of Christ Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Um, so you can start opening up your, your Bibles to Acts 16. Uh, we're going to look at, in Acts 16, uh, what it means for Timothy to be a son with a father who has served with him in the gospel. I'll just mention quickly in First and First and Second Timothy, chapter one, verse two, when Paul addresses Timothy, uh, the first he says to Timothy, "My true child in the faith," and then Second uh, Timothy he calls him his beloved child. Um, so as we're in Acts sixteen, verse one, again we're going to see what that means that Timothy is uh, a son with a father, and that we're going to see what it means uh, for their service or how, how that began in the gospel. And just to I'll mention, again, we hear about Timothy's reputation in this passage. So let's read it together. I'll read it out loud. It says, Acts 16.1, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. Paul was, he was going around and spreading the, the gospel to uh, these towns. Um, a disciple there was named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on their way through the cities. They delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So if we, were, if we were to continue to reading until verse 12, we would see that Paul makes his way to, to Philippi, 
uh, and he stays there for a number of days, and now these are the people that he is, he's writing to from prison. Um, but focusing on what we learned in those, those verses, uh, we learned that Timothy's mother was a believing Jew, but his father was a Greek. Um, we know from uh, reading about Jesus recently, uh, if, you, if that's something you read um, in your Bible for Christmas, um, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. This was Jewish custom, but we learned that Timothy was not. Uh, his mother was a Jew, raising him, um, teaching him the Old Testament scriptures. It says in Second uh, Timothy three fourteen and fifteen. Um, so we have to guess that it was his mother's intention to to make sure he knew the Word of God and to raise him as a um, as a Jew would have been raised, but that the father's int- the father would have, I'm guessing, said no. He's not being baptized. Um, it says that Timothy had him baptized as they went on their way. Um, and hopefully that raised a little bit of a flag for you. It's a, it's a good thing to study because um, Paul has also said that others did not need to be, or at least one other that I can remember, did not need to be circumcised after Jesus had died. Um, so I took a little bit of time and looked into that. It's just not something we're going to get into uh, this morning. Uh, verse 22 says, You know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son of the Father he has served with me in the gospel. So the two things we're looking to Acts uh, 16 for were um, this idea that uh, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. Um, Paul, or excuse me, Timothy had a father. Um, he was not a believer. Um, so Paul was like his spiritual father, and he, um, he taught him to how, to how to practically live out the scriptures that his mother had taught him. Um, when she was raising him, or when they were raising him. Uh, we also know that their, their service together in the gospel started with a discipleship, um, where, where Paul brought Timothy along and involved him in the ministry that, that he was already doing. Uh, so Paul says that Timothy has a proven worth. Um, in that passage, we learned how they were delivering the messages from the elders and the, um, the, elders and the apostles in Jerusalem. They were delivering the, that message to the churches, and it says the churches were being um, strengthened in the faith. They were increasing in numbers. This was, um, I believe, what Paul is referring to as his proven worth. You know, so I think about, you know, I'm a father of, again, I said three, three daughters, young children. I think about uh, being a spiritual father to my own children. I want to make sure that they know the word of God. Um, that's like the information. I want, I want them to know that, but I also um, want to make sure that they see that in our life, they see how to apply the scriptures. So Timothy's mother made sure he knew the scriptures. Paul took him out and said, this is how we apply the scriptures um, in the work that God is, is using us to do. Um, I believe that we can make sure our children know the, the information, but if they see in our lives that it's not important, um, we say this, but then we do something else, um, they're going to they're going to start to understand what is important, what our priorities are, um, by how we live our life. So, you know, that includes how we spend our money, um, what we make time for, and who and what we're serving. So as we finish up, wrap up here with Timothy, um, Paul repeats his desire in verse 23 to send Timothy to them. So Timothy is a discipled servant who seeks the interest of others. He's the one that will be generally concerned for the welfare of others. Uh, he has proven worth. He's a spiritual son to, to Paul, and he's one we keep in here. We keep hearing about this reputation that he has. So in verse 25, uh, we're going to move on to Epaphroditus. Um, Paul mentions another, 
another man he would like to send uh, to them. This is Epaphroditus, verses 25 to 28. A fellow worker who serves sacrificially. Uh, hopefully you're there in your Bibles. Philippians 2, 25, he says, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your minister, excuse me, your messenger and minister for my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am, or, I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So in those four verses, Paul gives him five titles. Uh, Paul, yes, gives Epaphroditus five titles. Um, we saw that he was a brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, a messenger, and a minister to Paul's need. Um, I actually want to look at the last two titles first before going to the other three. Um, it's really neat. In uh, Philippians 4, Epaphroditus is mentioned again. Uh, so we're going we're to turn there quickly. Uh, Philippians 4, 18 and 19. So, again, Philippians 4, 18, 19. Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul, he's in prison, and he says he's well supplied. Uh, the, the Philippians are not looking to their own interests. They're actually sending uh, to Paul uh, gifts. And, um, and this man, Epaphroditus, is the one who personally delivers them. And he doesn't just deliver them, but he stays on to minister to them. So he's their messenger um, and the minister to Paul's needs. Um, I, again, being reminded by the video of what happened this year, uh, we were able to send Cody, our director of operations, um, a father of young children. Uh, we were able to send him to Costa Rica um, to the Word Partner Men who um, I believe is like a four-year program they went through. Uh, we asked families to uh, send in their gifts that we could um, send with Cody to bless those men there. And uh, so I saw that picture in Cody, what is happening here. I have to assume that um, possibly Epaphroditus had a, a family. We don't know for sure. Um, he, he may have had a ministry in the church. He likely had a job. Um, he had family members. Um, friends that he left uh, in order to um, in order to be the messenger and minister to Paul's needs. So, by the way, Cody, we're glad you came back in a week. Um, I mean, even you know the, the walks being cleared this morning, uh, everything being ready to go. We don't we don't know a lot about Epaphroditus. We do know uh, that he has a name that is associated with a um, a false god. Uh, Epaph um, Epaphrodite, uh, but here we see that he is serving Paul and the living God. And according to verse 30, we'll get to in a bit, um, he's doing the work of Christ uh, through sacrificing for Paul's needs. So Paul describes him as a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. Those are the first things that he called him. Um, they, I see them as building upon each other. Um, they show an increase in uh, commitment and faithfulness, um, the first being a brother, uh, maybe you have somebody at work who's a fellow believer. You, um, 
you have the shared uh, belief about what life is about, and you can be an encouragement to, to one another. Uh, it also makes me think of um, how we have, it's, it's differing in commitment uh, to the church when we talk about somebody coming as a seeker or a, um, uh, an attender, a regular attender, uh, a member. It's kind of like those build on each other as well, like Paul is doing here with, um, he's describing their relationship, and they build upon each other. He calls them a fellow worker um, that demonstrates an increase in commitment and time spent laboring together. They're developing a relationship. They're growing in this relationship. Uh, they have the same goals, and um, they're not letting the other carry the load. Um, they're working together at that. And lastly, he's called a fellow soldier. Uh, we know that the city of Philippi was a, um, a Roman colony, and the, um, the picture of a soldier would have been clear in their minds, so that by him labeling him as a fellow soldier, that would have um, brought something to their mind as well. Um, he's a faithful and dedicated servant who is willing to endure hardship. And uh, he's not only associated himself with Paul, but he's associated with Christ, himself with Christ. So Paul's in prison. He's associated with himself with him. Christ has been put to death on the cross, and he's being associated with Christ. Um, so he's, he's knowingly putting himself at risk. Uh, he's sharing in the danger and toil and suffering of Paul. So the five titles again, he's a brother, he's a fellow worker, he's a fellow soldier, and their messenger and minister to Paul's needs. Um, it says that Epaphroditus in verse 26 has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So Epaphroditus uh, stayed on for some time. He became ill. Um, they don't have the same kind of communication that we do. Um, so they, somehow they found out that he was ill, um, possibly nearing death, uh, but they weren't able to find out that he is now well. Um, the passage says that God had mercy on both Paul and Epaphroditus, and um, for Epaphroditus, God's mercy led to his healing. Uh, again, that would be a, a great thing to study. How does God's mercy um, end up for someone's healing? And we see that in the Bible in a number of different ways. A number of different, a number of different times, Paul was spared of the sorrow that would have caused him. They they had a relationship that is described in what he how he refers to him, and uh, so that would have caused him sorrow to lose this brother in Christ, um, but also to know that Epaphroditus was serving him, and he had left family members that he loved behind. Um, that would have caused him um, sorrow for them as well. So Epaphroditus is a fellow worker who served sacrificially. He's a participant in this gospel ministry. He's a worker and a soldier for the defense and the proclamation of, God, of the gospel, which is what Paul calls it. He's a deliverer of a gift, and he's going to return with this letter to the Philippians well, after Paul's done writing it. Uh, it, it reminded me of uh, the passage in Luke, 29, or excuse me, Luke 9, 23. Uh, it says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is what Jesus says. So let's look at this final, uh, this final section in Philippians 29 and 30, where it says, Receive such men with joy and honor. Verse 29, So receive him in the Lord with all joy. Honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. We have the two phrases, Receive him with joy and honor such men. Um, verse 30 says, uh, that he, 
he nearly died for the work of Christ. Um, and so being called a fellow soldier, he says, to honor such men. And it, it was something I need to look into a little bit more, but um, it occurred to me that as a soldier, honor is very important. And here Paul is telling the Philippians to honor this fellow soldier of mine. Uh, it doesn't just say to honor Epaphroditus. It says honor such men, which includes Paul, which includes Timothy. Um, so we see, we, we've seen through Timothy, we've seen through Paul, we've seen through Epaphroditus, uh, what it means to live an honorable life in these examples he's given. Um, but what does it look like for the Philippians to honor such men? What does it look like for us to honor such men? Um, this, again, would be a, a great study. It's not something I'm going to be able to cover um, completely. I'm going to move through it very quickly. Um, I thought about, you know, a good start for our families to study is it's just what does it mean to honor your father and your mother? Um, today we might understand honor by how we um, treat, how we think about our, our servicemen and women, uh, maybe as our pastors. It's, it's how we ought to think about and treat our parents, elders, uh, those who are, in who are in authority over us. So honoring someone is to value them highly, treat them with respect, and it's much more than that. We honor God by lifting him, him up as the greatest value in our hearts and minds, uh, which is displayed in our actions. And it's, it's displayed in our actions towards others. Um, so the Bible says to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, we honor God by how we treat others, um, how we honor our parents, how we honor um, authority in the, elder, in the elderly. Um, having just celebrated Christmas, it should be fresh on our minds. Um, Jesus, uh, and he shares with his disciples why he came. He said, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Uh, he, he gave his life as a ransom for many. Um, so we see, um, like I said, we, we want to honor God, and he's the one that we should ultimately honor. Um, we see that this Jesus that we, that we honor... Um, we see his mindset. We talked about how he came, he left his glory in heaven, and he came down um, to serve us. And so ultimately, we should honor him. So we're going to um, sort of end up with the passage that we started with in Philippians uh, 2, 4 through 11, if you'll turn there. So ultimately, it's Christ that should be received with joy and honored in our lives. Uh, Philippians 2, 4 through 11 says, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see in verse 9 that therefore, uh, because of what Christ was willing to do, leaving his place in heaven for us, he is highly exalted um, he is to be honored uh, in our lives. Uh, the last verse I want to share with you is from 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So for those of us who've been saved by grace through faith, um, we look not only to our own interest, we consider the welfare of others. We want to make sure that they, they know about um, Christ, and through him we are reconciled to God. Um, we are sinners, and we needed Christ um, to, to write this relationship, restore this relationship to God. Um, we mentioned the gospel partnership. As participants in a gospel partnership, uh, we serve alongside others um, in the work that God is doing around us. And then uh, for those of us who are without Christ, consider him today, um, that he humbly um, came to serve us and um, by dying on the cross so that our relationship can re be restored to God. Uh, it's through him that our lives find their greatest pur purpose. So pray with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word. Um, thank you for the word that became flesh, dwelt among us, that is Jesus. Uh, thank you for um, his example to us, um, that we could look at his mindset, and we see it in the lives of these men. Um, I thank you, God, for uh, the local church, and even uh, just a review this morning. Uh, in a new year, all the um, just some of the different ways, God, you're, you're working around us um, in the lives of people. God, I pray that you help us to, um, to not consider only ourselves, God, to take our eyes off ourselves and uh, look to the, uh, the best interests of others, look to serve others um, as the example of Jesus in our lives. Um, we just thank you again for this time this morning, and um, I pray, God, in this year that we are in your word, studying it well and um, caring for one another. It's Jesus' name I pray. Amen.